I've joked a lot that I don't like Belgian beers, and I've explained how it's better said that they're not my preferred style of beer. Bottom line to all this is that I enjoy a well-made beer regardless of its beer style. So in that spirit, I'm embracing the Belgian beer style for this episode. Welcome to Big Monster Brewing. I am Matt, and today... I am attempting to add another Belgian beer style to my library of recipes, and if I'm lucky, to my collection of medal-winning beers. Up until now, my only experience with brewing any style of Belgian beers was brewing a wit beer that I've been rebrewing and altering the recipe of for the past few years now. So I'm going to branch out in this brew and make my first Belgian pale ale, a style that showcases the malt a little stronger than a wit beer and with more hop character, but not as much as the name might suggest. Hearing pale ale in the name might conjure up the idea of a hop-forward, hop-heavy American or British pale ale. But for this Belgian style, it's still a far more malt-forward beer than any of those examples. Both aroma and flavor descriptors for this style in the BJCP guidelines focus far more on the malt character, pointing out toasty, biscuity, nutty, light caramel, and honey notes. Then second to this, at least in my interpretation, they point out the yeast ester characters of fruit and spices. Finally, after all that, the floral and herbal hop character is included and mentioned as being part of this beer style, but definitely not the forward focus. Ultimately, you could consider this a hoppy beer if you compare it to the bell curve of Belgian beers when it comes to the amount of hops they use, but it's not a hoppy forward beer style. I think I've made that part clear now. Maybe I'm trying to convince myself of that before the tasting. I'm not quite sure. This is the first time I'm making this style, and I don't know for sure the last time that I've actually had one. Most likely, it was probably two years ago when I was visiting a Belgian-focused brewery in Asheville, North Carolina. So when I do get the tasting, I'm not only going to have to trust my palate, but I'm also going to have to trust my interpretation and understanding of the guidelines for the most part to see if this is close to an example of this style of beer. And I'm not going to be able to get to the point of figuring that out unless I brew the beer. So let's go to those brew day recordings. It is Belgian Pale Ale Brew Day, and I'm just excited to be doing something. I don't know what I'm going to record in the opening, but a, about a week ago, a weekend, was it two days ago, I had some bone spurs removed at the back of my nostrils, and it might hear me sound like I have a stuffed up nose, which I, I do, but it's not stuffed up in the normal sense. It's stuffed up with a splint so that it can heal which I get out in uh, about, I think, three days, which I cannot wait. But I've been on heavy-duty painkillers for the first few days, and I took one yesterday morning and didn't need one the rest of the day, and I'm trying to avoid them completely today. My point is, this is the first time I've been behind a wheel of a car in over a week, and I didn't realize how exciting it was to go to the grocery store to get water and ice for a brew and then how exciting it's going to be to be on my feet all day to brew beer and without, without being uh, well I was going to say without being under the influence of any kind of painkillers but I've not done it under any kind of painkillers because once I take it that's it I'm done for four hours it like it just knocks me out so I'm just really excited to do anything and the fact that I'm excited to make a Belgian beer speaks volumes because I'm sure again I don't know what I said in the intro but I'm pretty sure I said I don't like Belgian beers because I just said it again. So, all right, get in the water, get in the ice, gonna go home and get brewing. 
I got the water going everywhere. So by that I mean I got three and a half gallons, well, 3.57 gallons to be exact, of water in the anvil, which I can hear some splashing from the circulation. I'm gonna get it to temperature, which is 151 as I re look at my notes here. And that'll be my mashing temperature. I'm gonna do a 50 minute mash, 10 minute mash out. And I got another gallon for sparging, which will get up to 170 degrees. Got my brewing salts together, which I'm about to add into this strike water. And I noticed something that I didn't realize I had or that I should be using both actually. Something both. I'll talk about that a little bit later while I'm saying that. When I was getting my brewing salts, I'm going to make an on-the-fly recipe adjustment. So, I mean, it couldn't really be a 2023 Big Monster Brew without an on-the-fly recipe adjustment. But we'll talk about that when we get to the boil. Right now, I'm going to get my salts mixed in and then go get the grist. And I'll tell you what that is when I get there. I am out of my garage about ready to mill the malt for this beer and i was going to go through the grist talk about what the grain bill is for this and it starts off with a base malt of two row pale malt and in my mind it seems strange because the other times i've made belgian beers which is just wit beers but made more than once it's always pilsner as a base so after that re the repeated brewings it's been drilled in my head that pilsner is a base malt for belgian beers but that's only one beer so feels strange but looking at the aroma profile the Flavor profile, there's the word toasty, bready, biscuity, those, those nutty, I think, the, those descriptors come up, and that is definitely not Pilsner. In fact, it leans more towards a British or European, well, I guess, no, no, I was going to say European malt, um, which that the German Pilsner is, but my point is, uh, like a Maris Otter or Golden Promise might even be better for this, and that's something to keep in mind if this doesn't quite come out to the profiles I'm expecting. So that, again, that is, that's five pounds, 3.2 ounces of pale two row. And this is a two and a half gallon batch if I hadn't mentioned that in the opening. So five pounds, 3.2 ounces of pale malt to that 4.2 ounces of carapils that really kind of increase the body a little bit and get uh, hopefully some strong head retention, which is a definite thing for Belgian beer is a definite characteristic. Then I'm adding 2.1 ounces of Caramunic one which should help with that biscuity and into a little bit of slight caramely flavor profile. That should help enhance that if it is the right amount and it works the way I'm expecting. And then finally for the malt part of it, there's another fermentable we're gonna talk about. For the malt part of it, 2.1 ounces of special B malt, which is the complete opposite of everything I just said. It's gonna add a fruity, raisiny type of, maybe even a strong burnt caramel character. Hopefully not too much. I don't want the balance to be far off. I want it to complement that base malt character, kind of be the tie between the phenolics that the yeast should be bringing and that readiness of the base malt and tie everything together, not be overwhelming. I've heard horror stories of using just like pushing that special bean malt a little too far. I've not had that happen yet. And I'm hoping this is not the one that it's gonna happen with. So we shall see. And lastly, for fermentable sugar, and I mentioned this earlier, maybe even the last recording, that I said I'd probably talk about when I get to the boil additions, but I'll talk about it now. I was going to add 4.2 ounces of corn sugar to increase the ABV yeah, without getting it to the, pushing the malts too far color-wise. And then as I was getting out my salts for the water additions, I saw I had a, a well over half bag of 
clear Belgian candy sugar. And I was like, oh, I'm going to use that because not only is that much more traditional for this beer, it might even be a better flavor than the corn sugar. So I went over to Beersmith, the, the program I use to calculate everything. I took out, I noted what the starting ABV, or uh, not ABV, uh, starting gravity should be. Took out the corn sugar and then added as much candied, clear candied Belgian, Belgian, what is it? Candied sugar, sorry, to match that. It actually ended up being the exact same amount, which kind of makes sense. They're simple sugars, just a different different form. So I'm going to be adding 4.2 ounces of clear Belgian candy sugar, but during the boil. It's not going to be in the mash. It's going to be in the last 10 minutes of the boil. I'll probably talk about it again at the boil additions, and I'm pretty sure I'll probably talk about it when I add it. So that is the only on-the-fly change I'm making so far but we haven't started brewing yet, so who knows what's yet to come. I'm mashed in, so uh, nothing too difficult about that one. This is about a 5% beer, I think, somewhere around there. I'd have to check the Beersmith numbers, so it's not a super thick mash. I did add rice holes. kind of just do that by default at this point. I've had so many times where it's I've struggled with the mash, and rice holes would have kept that from happening. I just do it, so I, I don't even really weigh it out. I just give, kind of cover the top of the bucket of the milled grains and dump everything in. So give it a good stir, no lumps, and we're at 152, and I put the power to 80%, so this should drop, the recirculation is going, so this should drop to 151. Well, once it drops to 150, it'll kick to 151. It should hold at 151 range pretty easily with the amount of uh, grist that's in here with the the thickness of this mash so just gonna let it go stir it every 15 minutes and then do that last mash out at the end i will say my nose is this is the most active i've been since that surgery my nose is like reacting as in stuffing up it's not i don't even know what it is it's not running it's not swelling it's just as you can probably hear my voice it's just there so i'm gonna try i think i might be bending over which is, I was told not to do more than I realize I am. So I'm going to be a little more cognizant of that and make sure I don't undo any damage this week of healing is done. So that's it. Just a little bit of waiting game here. But while I wait, I can get the boil additions ready. I've already went ahead and weighed out all the boil additions before I talk about them, since I kind of need two hands roughly to do these, at least for the most part. It's fairly simple it's not despite the name having pale ale in it and even with india pale ale of course you think super hops and even with american pale ale you're starting to think a lot of hops these days at least that's what i've been experiencing this isn't a hoppy beer it's got hops it's probably got more hop character than most belgian beers you would taste especially i think a wit beer for sure and then on the other end that other stream like a belgian dark is definitely not a, a hop forward one this is probably and I'm just guessing, because I'm not a, by any means, a Belgian beer expert. I'm guessing this is probably one of the hoppier Belgian beers. Even though, as we're going to talk, there's not a whole lot of hops in this. But there are some. In 60 minutes, we're going to put in 0.31 ounces of Galena hops. I haven't used Galena hops in forever. And I had a pack that was unopened, luckily. So I'm pretty safe. I'm pretty sure these are safe. I smelled them best I could. <laughs> it's hard to with my nose the way it is right now, but I didn't smell any onion or cheese or any of the off flavors for old hops, so I think we're okay there. Uh, then we got, we got as far as hops go, we don't have anything until the last, literally the last minute at one minute. So at the beginning, well, the boil is going to be 75 minutes, but 
essentially the beginning of the boil and the end of the boil. And that is 0.41 ounces of cluster hops, which is a fantastic flavored hop. I'm really looking forward to how that plays in with not only these malts, but this yeast. And it's not a lot. It's it's less than half an ounce. And it's only a 7% alpha acid hop. So it's not going to be super strong hop character, but it's gonna be, it should be some noticeable in there if, if all goes well. Along with that, I mentioned for the fermentables at 10 minutes, I'm going to put in that Belgian candy, which here you got a little cup of it, that Belgian candy sugar, clear Belgian candy sugar, 0.42 ounces of it, or 4.2 ounces of it, sorry. Uh, I'm going to, like I said, put that in 10 minutes with the yeast nutrients and then some world fluck at about two minutes, somewhere after five minutes. And I think that's it for the boil additions. I did mention it's a 75-minute boil, um, which is... Uh, that might conjure up the idea of burning off, if I was using Pilsner malt, burning off the DMS precursors, which is not a terrible idea. This, I just kind of felt like it needs to be a little richer than the 150. I, I'm mashing a little lower than I would, so I want a little bit of malt richness in this and boiling it just a little longer. It's not going to give a lot of caramel caramelization, but it's going to give a touch of it. A lot of kettle caramelization, sorry. But it might just give a little touch of it, just a little nuance. To everything here to just to boil it a little longer and maybe wasting 15 minutes of my time but i got nothing else to do today and i'm just like i said many recordings ago i'm just happy to be doing something so that's it for these boil editions i said my second stir on the mash and it's still fairly it's it's thin enough that it's it's was easy stir and the levels were equal. By that, I mean the level of liquid in the middle of the malt pipe inside it was equal with the level of liquid outside. And so there's not even a remote, not even a slow mash. So it's, it's definitely not stuck. If it's stuck or slow, the amount of liquid outside of it is lower than what's in the middle. And these are dead even. And they've been every stir. So that's been, that's been nice. I didn't want to deal with that. Not only didn't want to deal with that today, I don't want to deal with that ever. So that was a, that's been good. So far, so good. Flow, everything's going pretty well. I just put the sparge water on the burner to get that up to 170. So when we're done this mash, I can, uh, I can sparge and rinse those grains. So great brew day so far. This has been great. Uh, probably just jinx myself, but I guess the irony is that it's a beer that <laughs> just a style I don't enjoy. So why not everything go perfect? Yeah, what the heck? You know, I try to do a, a, a hazy IPA and everything sticks and uh, I don't have the hop I want and you name it. But this, nope, this is good. Everything's going to be fine. Oh, well, hey, I, I really shouldn't complain because that's all good stuff right there. We're at the point of setting the temperature for the mash out. So we've been mashing at 151 for 50 minutes. I've now raised the temperature to 168. Turn the power back up to 100% to the heating elements. Still recirculating. That never stops except when I take the lid off the stir. And waiting for that to rise. And once it hit 168, we'll hold it 10 minutes. And then we're done the mashing. Get onto the sparging. So uh, did one last stir in there. Everything looks good. Color is fantastic. I don't quite know what a Belgian pale ale is supposed to look like. I've been looking at... Pick, well, it's, I take that back. I think I know. Because I did some research. Because... I was following a couple of recipes, basically picking and choosing what I had ingredients for that I, I, I kind of did like a rough over sketch of what I would need and 
then the color, the SRM color scale in, in my recipe in Beersmith seemed very low. It was within range, but like in the very low range. So I was like, well, what's a typical pale ale look like, or pale, Belgian pale ale look like? So I put that in Google, and they all seem to be in that range. I, I don't quite know if, if, that, if uh, the SRM range is a little more broad than it needs to be in the style guidelines, or maybe that's just where it's falling, where, where the taste trends have been falling with commercial brewers. I don't know, but I like this color. I like this color a lot. It is golden. It looks like, looks like honey gold. It is a very nice, very clear color, so I'm pretty excited about that. And now, just waiting. Where are we at now? We're at 157. So we've got a little bit of a wait to get to that mash-out temperature. And then I'll be back probably with the sparge. I just pulled out the malt pipe, as you can probably, possibly, I should say, hear the wort draining out. Let's see. And I'm going to sparge here in a few minutes. I kind of got distracted on heating up the sparge water so it's a little over temp so i'm gonna try to stir it down uh, i think it might be a little too high i think i'm gonna have to put it in a quick uh water bath in the sink to get it down so uh, i'm gonna do that now i don't want to spend too much time without this sparging so i'll let you know here in the next recording of what all i had to do to get that down to temp I'm sparging now, and I did have to put that uh, pot into a water bath to cool it down because it was over 200 degrees. I was distracted for quite a while, so pretty simple process. Just put in the stopper that goes into drain in the sink, turn on the water as cold as it can out of the tap, which is like 75 degrees. It might even be warmer in Orlando, but the liquid inside the pot was over 200, so 75, whatever it was, seemed quite cold, so it dropped it pretty quick. I want to say two minutes. I didn't time it. It definitely wasn't more. may have been less, so give or take, mostly take. About two minutes, cool that down to 170, 168 actually. By the time I took it out of the water bath, and I was not going to put it back on the burner to get that two degrees. 168 is plenty for sparge. So that's what I'm doing now. A little one halfway done, and I'll finish that up and get on to the next step. I got the malt pipe out of the Anvil Foundry. Just waiting for the rest of the sweet wort to come up to a boil. It's at 184 right now, so we've still got a little time. I'm gonna go ahead and put the lid on with a bit of a gap to help that heat up a little faster. It always beeps when it gets to 200 as a warning. So I'll be able to take the lid off in plenty of time before we get close to a boil over. And when I get to boil, I'm gonna boil for 75 minutes. I think I said that last recording or a couple recordings ago. I don't really start adding anything till 60 minutes. So between the time I have to wait for this to heat up and to get the um uh wait that extra 15 minutes to get to the 60 minute point i should probably be able to go ahead and clean the malt pipe the pump and the hose is just fine that should actually be more than plenty of time which is always good always like having cleaning out of the way sooner than later so that's it till we get to the actual boil additions part of the brewing process I took a pre-boil gravity reading to see where my numbers are at going into the boil. And my target was 1040. My measurement was 1045, so I'm a little high. And looking forward here to post-boil, my target will be 1051. So I could be at 1056 
if that five points holds. But I did put this dead center of the style guidelines in Beersmith, and it should be, I can't remember what the range was. I should have looked it up. If it's out of range at 1056, that's just the, that's just out of the guidelines. It doesn't mean the beer's disqualified for anything. I could be a little high, but I first time made this, not only this style, but this recipe. So I not sure what to expect in the end. And I also wasn't sure what to expect in the pre-boil, which is why I do these measurements. So I'm not worried. If it was super low by 10 points or super high by 10 points, I'd be like, yeah, okay, something is a little wrong with this recipe. Five points is in that don't worry range. A little higher than you'd want, maybe, if you're trying to hit a specific ABV, but it's nothing to, nothing to sweat over. So I'm going to go back to cleaning while I wait for this wart to get up to boil and then uh, be back with whatever I record next. Yeah, I'm about ready to put the first hops in and right about now is the time. Looking at my other timer. So those went in. That was the Galita hops. That's a hop I mentioned earlier. I haven't used much lately, but used to use in exclusively in my Blondale recipe. And now having was being able to smell what I could smell them, which isn't a lot, but the fact that I could smell them shows me that they're pretty pretty potent or aromatic is probably a better word, and they smell really nice. So I think I'm going to try, if I maybe make it not ale again with the, the old recipe with little tweaks, maybe to the grist and just leave the hops where they are. So those are in, and now I got nothing like for a while, uh, technically 10 minutes, but I'm going to do a little bit of... I don't know, prep work, but I can do I still didn't clean the pump head. Um, I cleaned all the hoses, and I cleaned the malt pipe, and I cleaned the bucket that that was dripping into. But And, the, yeah, I said the hoses. So I can do the pump head, but that's only going to take like two minutes at, at max. So, But I will, I will find something to fill that time. That's not going to be the difficult. Hey, well, I really didn't do a whole lot after all, after cleaning. I kind of sat down and rested. I'm, may, I'm feeling maybe like I'm pushing myself a little harder than I should. I mean, it's only nose surgery. It wasn't like I got a bunch of muscles cut open, but the I've not been resting well because I have to lay upright in bed. And um, really, last night was the worst. I, I'm sure this is more information than you want, but I'm kind of explaining why I'm saying I think I pushed myself too much. I think between the actual physical recovery, which there's you know, my body's constantly doing right now, and the lack of sleep overall the past week, maybe doing a big two and a half gallon wasn't the best idea, but I feel like I have enough energy to get through it just fine. I don't think I'm hurting myself. I just think maybe it's a little more than I was ready for. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it's 15 minutes before the end of the boil. I've dug out the cooling gear. I've got that in. And uh, right now the plate, the, uh, not plate chiller, uh, immersion chiller is inside the wart getting sanitized. I've hooked up the hoses. I hooked up the pumps about to fill up the water. So that will be on deck because at 10 minutes, I got two things to do and that will probably be talked about in the next recording. All right, we're at 10 minutes and I needed to stir and pour like, or dump, whatever I call it, um, add. I don't know what the right word is. So, well, I'll tell you what I was doing. First, I went into yeast nutrients, which I put in a quarter teaspoon of yeast nutrients. And then I put in, I, I poured in, I guess, they're solids. They're solid sugars. 
as I poured into Belgian candy clear sugar, but I stirred it at the same time because I didn't want like the heavier pieces to hit the bottom or the immersion chiller and stick to it and, and be able to caramelize, then possibly scorch. So I was stirring as I did that to make sure they were kind of suspended in the liquid. Uh, I've never had that happen. It just seems like something that could happen. And I've not read that that specifically happened. I've heard it happen with... Um, Oh, uh, liquid malt extract, which is like kind of like uh, if you've not brewed ever before, like pancake syrup or some kind of thick syrup or caramel. It's kind of the consistency. I could see how that would spread on the bottom of a boil pot and scorch. To me, this seems in the same realm. So I get a little paranoid. I don't want to scorch beer. That's, that's one flavor you can't cover or age out. You get that, you're done. All your work is done, and especially being with 10 minutes left to go i'd hate to have scorched it so i use two hands to stir and pour and that's where i'm at so now i'm waiting for that last one minute for the last top edition then we'll chill this down i took a minute here to get everything make sure everything's ready for when we get to the transfer i got the sanitizer inside the carboy that's full i got a little bowl of sanitizer with the airlock and the uh, stopper in it and I got the yeast ready and I haven't talked about the yeast so I'm going to talk about that real quick because it is a dry yeast and I usually use liquid yeast if you've listened to the show you know that not exclusively but usually a couple reasons using dry yeast one I don't have any Belgian yeast because I don't make Belgian beers usually uh, two I usually get my liquid yeast from a shop in Sarasota that gets it to me within 24 hours it's been so hot. It's been like a million degrees, which is an exaggeration, of course, but not far from an exaggeration from the truth. I think even with the ice packs they use and ordering extra ice packs and the thermal envelopes they ship it in, I still don't think it's safe to ship uh, local ye- or, uh, liquid yeast, even locally, overnight. It's sitting in any warehouse or in any truck with any shipping carrier right now, the way the weather is, even at night. It's I, I don't think it's... It probably would probably survive, but that's the thing. I'm not sure it would survive, and I don't want to take that chance. So dry yeast it is. Plus dry yeast is, it really is just as good as liquid yeast, and that's a mental block I need to get over. When I first started brewing, everything I read said the opposite, but at the time, it was, yeast was improving, and getting dry yeast is getting much better, much bigger selection than there was when these things were written, and now the documentation is caught up with that, and, and like dry yeast, liquid yeast, there's differences, but not like it used to be. So I'm going to try to get over that mental block with this beer. So it's the it's uh, Belgian yeast by Lallemand, and it's the AB yeast, I think I, how you say it. It's A-B-B-A-Y-E. They have two Belgian strains that I saw that said they would work with a Belgian pale ale. I don't know why I picked this one. It's either got to be because there's a style characteristic in it that I like better than the other one, or I could get this one faster than that one. Knowing me, it's probably the latter, but it could be either two. That's usually where the decision comes from choosing between two that would work with the style. So going to pitch that, going to pitch about half, maybe a little more than half the pack. I I know with uh, Hefeweizens, which are also very ester heavy, you, you want to short pitch it to stretch out the yeast to get that clove and banana flavor. I don't know if that's the same with Belgians. And I might just have enough time to check that out. I'm looking at the counter of this recorder and seeing where I got to chill. I might not have time to check that out. Um, but I do know there's a trick 
or, or, a, or maybe not a process, better said, that would help do that with Belgian strains. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'll talk about that when I get the fermentation. So that is the yeast. And now I've definitely run out enough time to get to that last couple bits of this brewing process and get this beer into the fermenter. All right. There goes the last of the boil additions, and I gotta shut this all down and start cooling in less than a minute now. That was cluster hops, not a hop I've been very familiar with until I helped my wife put together an IPA and she wanted to try cluster hops at one part of it, and they smelled fantastic. So I'm gonna play with those more later, but right now I am going to get all set up to chill this wort and get this beer in a fermenter and going. I am now chilling the wort, same setup I always have. It's a, I believe a quarter power, horse, quarter horsepower sub pump, which sounds really strong now I say it out loud, but I think that's what it is. Uh, pumping water through a jaded Scylla, which is a, there are 75 feet of copper coil into three different coils to go into these all-in-ones, both, uh, or not both, but um, just about all of them. The Anvil Foundry, which is what I'm using today, or I always use, Grandfather, uh, Robo Brew, I think anything else that's that same diameter will fit. And it's dropping, it's going fast. I can see the numbers go, they're going about one every second and a half, so this won't take long. Usually what happens, I've probably said this before, but for anyone new, I drop it to 100 with tap water, and then I put in some ice and get it down to pitching temperature, which is gonna be 67 degrees today. So just gonna keep pumping and stirring until I get to 67. All right, most of the labor is done. Well, at least the labor for the brewing, there's still the cleaning. So the, the brewing part's done. I got all of the, uh, well, it's still technically wort because I didn't pitch the yeast, all the wort in the fermenter. Got it oxygenated. I did that by shaking it for about a minute and a half. And I'm going to dump this yeast in. I'm going to dump in just about the whole packet. It, probably actually the whole packet when all said and done. It's for five gallons, but it's still not over pitching for two and a half, especially at its starting gravity, which I did measure, which is at one. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, 1.055. My target is 10 or 1051. I should stick to the way I pronounce these numbers for accurate, for uh, consistency. So target was 1051. It's 1055, so it's four points over. I was afraid it'd be five points over. Well, afraid. I was predicting it'd be five points over. That is one point over the style guideline max. The max is 1054. I, I, it's so negligible. That's not even worth mentioning. But uh, that's that's so that's it. I'm gonna put that yeast in, put it in a fermenter or a fridge, uh, I should say. Well, I'm gonna put the yeast in the fermenter, put the fermenter in the fridge, and then uh, let nature take its course. There was one addition I added at pitching that I have never done before. This is entirely new to me. I added a half a dose of. ALDC, which is an enzyme by Cellar Science that is supposed to help halt the production of diacetyl, diacetyl and uh, hop creep. Now, this is there's no dry hops on this. So I'm not worried about hop creep. First time I'm using it. I'm going to talk more about this the next couple of brews because they're going to be very hoppy. But I just wanted to mention that just as a kind of a preview. Um, something a couple of my guys, some of the, the best brewers in my club have been raving about. So I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. Dacetol is one of the things I've toiled with most on all my brewing. It, for the most part, it's not ruined a beer. It will age out enough, but it'd be nice if I don't even have to worry about that. So I'm giving that a shot. 
I don't know how you'd know if it worked if you don't have... I guess you'd have to do a split batch. I'm not worried about that it, that much to find out if it does or not. But if it's a safety net and uh, it works, uh, I guess I don't... Man, I don't know how you tell unless... Because not all my beers have diacetyl. at all. So how would I know? I don't know. I guess you got to trust the process. If you get diacetyl and you use this, then you know it didn't work. That's a better way, I guess, to this test but i'll talk more about that probably in the next episode of not two okay uh, everything is in the fridge it's holding at 67 actually it's a little cooler it's saying 65.8 so the wart was probably pretty chilled when it went in which doesn't surprise me there's probably some chilling going on after i turned everything off on the chiller which is fine it'll raise a 67 in a few hours here what I'm going to do, I also put a tilt in there, tilt hydrometer. Um, I have a couple of those, and they're usually fairly accurate. They do tend to like be off a point or two when Krausen gets stuck to it, especially in really protein-heavy beers. But what it really is great for, two, two things, and I love it, for actual temperature, because I have an external temperature probe on the outside, and I set the temperature control to be two degrees lower or well yeah lo always lower because the inside of the actual the meat the meat the bulk of the beer tends to be a little warmer than that so this will tell me where i'm holding temperature at i don't have to guess and it also tells me when it levels out even if it's off by like two or three points you know if it's not moving for three days you know you're, you've leveled out so it's great for that it's also great to tell me when I'm about a quarter of the way through, or closer to somewhere between a quarter and a third, when the ferment, assuming it's getting towards 10.10, final gravity, when it gets to about a quarter of the third way there, somewhere in between that, actually, I'm going to turn everything up two degrees because that is going to stress the yeast out slightly and get some more of that Belgian characteristic in this. That characteristic I don't like in a beer, which is a Belgian beer, which is funny that I'm trying to do it because I am trying to make an accurate style of this beer. So the tilt is going to help with that greatly. I could just open the app, see, oh, there we go. We're ready to go. Or we're not, or, you know, whatnot. And I don't have to measure it every couple days manually. So once that hits, just before a third of the way done, I'm going to ramp up the temperature two degrees, get those esters really kind of going inside that beer and hopefully get that Belgian profile. But that ain't going to be today. I've got to finish cleaning. And I think I'm going to take a nap because I'm tired. That's really the long and short of it. We are five days in the fermentation of this Belgian pale ale. And this is not only the fastest fermentation I've had in a very long time. It's also getting frighteningly dry. It's only five days. It's at 10.03 is the gravity right now. And to give you a comparison, the average, in broad strokes, the average finishing gravity for beer is around 10.10, give or take. Mostly take, for the most part. And that leaves some residual sugars, which adds to body, mouthfeel, a little bit of sweetness in the flavor. So this is well past that, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. I looked at it. The yeast are still very active. Now, that's if the number's right. I am using a tilt hydrometer, and I've said before, I, I tend to, I, well, I'm, I, I am going to check the gravity towards the end when I'm done. The tilt I use to keep temperature and to know when that number levels out. So when it says, let's say 10.03 is where it's going to stop. If it says 10.03 for like three or four days, 
I know it's pretty much done. Now, it's also a physical device, so it, and then it gets the name tilt because it tilts in the water. The less dense the water, meaning the less sugars and the more alcohol, the more it tilts, and that's where the number starts to go. There could be a big glob of Krausen on the end of the tilt that lowers down. That's pushing it down a few more degrees than it needs to be. There's, there's all kinds of things that could be happening. I can't really see. The, the, the um, wart is still so cloudy from the east, I can't see the tilt, so I don't know if there's something stuck on it. I'm thinking that might be what it is. The other option is, is that I didn't calibrate it after last use, but you shouldn't have to calibrate it. You're only really supposed to calibrate it at power change when you change the battery. But uh, uh, calibrating it would at least give me another thing to knock off the list of why it might be so low. Or it could just be dry, which is going to be an interesting thing to deal with when this beer is all said and done. So, <laughs> I guess I just gotta wait and see what happens. I was not expecting fermentation so fast, and I was not expecting to see that number so ever actually this low. So, gonna keep it on it for the next couple of days, see what it says. It's been a few days now since I checked the gravity on the Belgian Pale Ale, and it's leveled out. It is, anytime I check it, it's at 1.003 or 1.004, never any more than that one number off so i'm calling the fermentation done um except for the the cleanup work which is the diacetyl rest so i have turned up the fermentation refrigerator two degrees you kind of get the yeast to scrub out any diacetyl precursors i did use aldc in this which i think i mentioned so not sure if this step is necessary, but it's done a week earlier than I expected, so I'm not really prepared to do anything else. So I don't think an additional step to eliminating uh, diacetyl precursors is, could be a bad thing. So uh, once this settles at temperature for two, three days, I'm going to cold crash it. Keg it should have a keg available. I, now that I know I've got a few days to get one available, and try this beer out so this is uh, I'm, I'm really curious now with it being so low and having fermented so fast i'm really curious to see what this tastes like it's tasting time for the belgian pale ale and i will tell you right off the bat i am confused by this beer i don't i don't even know confuse the word is the right word i am i'm thrown off by this beer and i know exactly what is throwing me off and why but let's talk about all right let's talk about what we got and then we'll talk about style and then we'll talk about <laughs> where the, those roads split so color first it is barely bordering towards amber it's uh, kind of like a light bronze maybe a shiny copper it's not super clear but i think that's the pour i think i poured it too soon it's still settling in the keg and i tried to pour off enough to kind of get the sediment out but i didn't want to waste too much of it because i'm going to let it sit for probably over the weekend before i can and bottle this but i did want to get a sample i didn't want a full glass of yeast so i am going to attribute the clarity to that I, I think because i have seen this beer clearer than it looks now and clearer than it looks in the picture so i think we're okay on clarity appearance wise head it poured pretty good head fell immediately there is a giant covering of really super fine bubbles across the top and a real wide collar of bubbles around the glass but 
It's the head didn't hold, and now have to look at the style and see if it expects to or not. I don't quite remember. All right, now here we go. Here's the aroma, and I get like artificial banana, a little bit of a, kind of like a chamomile, and kind of a white pepper. A little bit of floral malt or a floral hop. The weird thing is, I cannot pull a single malt aroma out of this to save my life. I get nothing, and that's how it's been through this whole process, from caking to, or from racking to caking to carbonating. I've been trying it along the way, and it's just so aroma heavy with those those esters. It is so strong. Yeah, yeah, I'm letting it sit here and I'm swirling it to try to release some more aromatics and everything I said, it's just, it's everything I said, just, just stronger. In fact, I would say along with the floral hops might be a touch of earthy hops as well. All right, let's go to taste. Mm. First, let me say that mouthfeel is beautiful. Wow. That's, I've not tasted this since I carbonated it. Holy cow. That is a very pleasant feeling beer which is not a weird a word i use a lot it's hot in florida it's it's muggy it's really muggy hurricane was it Irida just passed over the north of us so it's it's it is every square inch of air is muggy in florida and this this the tingle from that carbonation and that medium body smoothness oh that was so refreshing but now let me take you back to taste sorry about that got distracted the taste follows the aroma so closely. The first thing you taste is a ton of fruity esters. You get that that banana. That it's either artificial or overripe banana. Pick pick one. It, that's that's exactly. They're both the same in my palate. Little bit of pepper spice, which is kind of nice. I like that. And now I start to get just a touch of that specialty malt, and it's probably the special bee that's pushing its way through. I don't think any of the base malt's coming through at all. There's no breadiness, no cracker. No, none of that that kind of raw, wheat, doughy, malt, base malt character. It's just, it's just a sweetness. It's not. It might not be the special be specifically because it doesn't kind of have that deep dark raisin stone or uh, like kind of dried fruit flavor. But there's a sweetness to it past the esters, the hops, and this is supposed to be the. I guess it's supposed to be the hoppiest of the Belgian beers. No, you would you wouldn't even know there's hops in this unless someone told you. But let me taste it again now that it's sat here and warmed up a little bit in my hand. See if I get anything different. That's really more of the same. I will say the mouthfeel on this saves it. It does make it a very enjoyable to drink beer. Now here's the conundrum. So all right, everything I described. It's it's not the opposite of the style. It just is not in the style. So, aroma in the style guidelines says moderate malt aroma, which can be a combination of toasty, biscuity, or nutty, possibly with a touch of caramel honey. Caramel is all I get. I don't even get honey, and I know honey really well, especially since I've gotten into making meats. Caramel is it. Moderate to moderately high fruitiness, okay, yes, but then it says with an orange or pear-like character. You might be able to convince yourself that there's some pear behind that banana, like some really ripe pear, like almost bordering on on about to turn rotten, but it's it's more banana, which is there's something I'm going to say about that here in a bit. 
low to moderate strength hop character, spicy herbal floral, low floral at best. I would call it subtle to faint. I would not even call it low if I was judging this. And optionally blended with a background uh, level peppery spiciness and phenols. Phenols, yes. A little bit of pepper. Okay, sure. But the rest of it, no. And it says for aroma again. Oh, this is aroma. So yeah, not even those. I wouldn't even, I take that. Completely out. I would take my comments on what I said about the hop aroma completely out. Hop character is low in balance to the malt and fruitiness. Well, yeah, <laughs> when it's not there, sure. Color's good. Amber to copper and color. Clarity is good. I still think it's really good. Oh, it does say, here we go. Uh, creamy, rocky, whitehead often fades more quickly than other Belgian beers. Okay, cool. I feel good about that. I nailed that. Flavor. Has an initial soft, smooth, moderately malty flavor with a variable profile of toasty, biscuity, nutty, light caramel, and or honey notes. One out of, what, six? I guess it's not bad. Caramel. That is it for the the malt end of that. Moderate to moderately high fruitiness, sometimes orange or pear-like. Again, I'm getting fruitiness, but not what they're saying. This has been added to me. Maybe some pear. And just... Like I said, that well, no, I don't even know. It's it's uh no, it's it's the pepper is not a fruit. So, I, I, yeah, that it's. I'll just keep going, then I'll I'll sum this up. The hot bitterness is medium high to medium low, maybe medium low. I will say there is a notice. I did not mention that. Let me let me reanalyze this real quick. There is a recognizable bitterness on the finish that lingers in the aftertaste. It really comes out in the aftertaste. Like if you breathe, if you sip this, swallow, breathe through your nose, the bitterness comes out a lot more. I would say it's on the low side, not even, this says medium low is the lowest really you expect, but I think it's lower than that. I think it's low. Then it says also, it continues, it's optionally, optionally enhanced by a low to low amounts of pepper phenols. Yes. Okay. I hit that one. There's a dry to balance finish. I would say it's it it is perceived as finishing sweeter because of the esters, even though I think the actual beer is physically creating more of a dry sensation, but the taste is definitely sweet because of those phenols. Fairly well balanced overall, with no single component being higher in intensity, malt and fruitiness more forward initially with a supportive bitterness and a drying character coming in late. Well, I mean, I think it's easy to say that the phenols are taking over from everything I said. It's, it's So that is not what I would call balanced. Mouthfeel, I really am curious about this. Medium to medium light body. Yes, I think this is definitely medium body. Smooth palate. Yes, absolutely. Alcohol levels are strained and any warming character should be low if present. Medium to medium high carbonation. I think the saving grace of this beer is, is mouthfeel. So that's one style. I'm not going to read the other styles. I have... Read them already, knowing where this beer was going. This fits no Belgian style, yet it is a distinctively Belgian beer. I don't know what to call this. I do know it's a well-made beer that Belgian fans would freaking love. Because I'm enjoying it, and I don't like Belgian beers. I don't know what to do with this, other than share it with people, which is fine. So, but I do brew, I, I brew with two things in mind. One, I brew to make a good drinkable beer. And then two, I want to eventually send some of that to a competition, or at least I hope to. It's a good beer. It's a damn good beer. I'm really enjoying this beer. The mouthfeel on this is fantastic. This is a hot day beer for Orlando. And I am going to save some of this for me for exactly that. But it does not fit any Belgian beer style at all. Like, 
I, I don't even know what to do. Uh, I, I don't even know what to uh, try to even classify it as. The best thing I can think to do, and I don't even know how where to begin to explain this when I enter it, is to enter under experimental. Like a Belgian something. Like there's already a Belgian blonde. There's a Belgian pale. There's a Belgian golden strong. What's left? A Belgian, I don't know what. I need to find another style to match that to, but I, I have no idea what. Needs to be malt forward, needs to be light in color, no farther than amber. I can't call it a belt. Ooh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. It might pass as a Belgian amber ale, which I do not believe there's a specific style for that. Although pale ale would probably be, I take that back. Belgian pale ale is probably what a Belgian amber ale would be. I'm trying to think of British and American examples. German examples are way too light and or way too dark, depending on which side you go on, to kind of blend or make a pseudo blend of that as an entrant. I don't know what to do with this beer if I were to put it into a competition. Uh, so I just might not. I just would like, I'm trying to play with that idea. But here's a super surprise. Here's a Belgian beer in my glass that I'm enjoying. And I will tell you, it is like, it's, it's one of those rare beers where it just, it feels good to drink. I know that sounds weird, but I think you'd have to taste it to, to understand what I'm saying. So I'm going to try to see if I can, I'm going to take another really big drink of this and see if I can describe what I'm talking about. It's just such a relaxed, a, a very smooth, effortless drink. There's, there's, even though the funerals are high, there's nothing in this that is making any part of my mouth recoil. It's like, it's not too spicy. It's not too sweet. So it's like my, and it's not too stringent. My lips aren't puckering. My, my, you know, I'm not salivating because it's too salty. It's just so smooth. And the texture on this is so amazing. I'm not sure I've made a beer this with a texture like this before it is so pleasant and the carbonation on this i don't know what i did i just i i i use i, I know i use my blickman quick carb to to do this but i i think i was aiming for about three percent or uh three yeah three uh three percent per three volumes of co2 that's what it is because i knew i would probably can this and i lose about a half volume and i wanted it no less than two and a half but Whatever, man, that three or three plus is like perfect for this. This is just such a, it's a pleasantly frustrating beer. Now let's talk real quick about why I think this beer is the way it is. And I mean, very Esther Ford. I think, I don't know if I've used that term yet, but in the end, this beer is Esther Ford, no matter what else is going for it. It's, it's mouthfeel is probably its best trait, but it's Esther Ford and aroma and flavor and I think, I am positive, it is that yeast. You've heard the recordings, that yeast, I've never had, I was going to say, I never had a dry yeast work this fast. I've never had a yeast work this fast, and I've used Kvike yeast several times on several beers, and, and it takes off fast, but then the finishing process is usually a little slower. This is the fastest I think I've ever fermented a beer, and that's, and I never even got, I, I, Again, I, uh, going back to the recordings, I said, I think, on brew day, uh, I was going to raise the temperature to get more of that phenol expression out of this because I was, I was 
fermenting rather cold for this strain, and I thought I'd need to ramp that up to get more out of it. I never did the ramp up because it was done before I even thought to check it. So this all came about from the yeast itself. So this yeast is a phenol, or no, I keep saying phenol, esters, 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 and phen- there's some phenolics in it too, but mostly esters. This yeast is an ester and phenolic bomb, and if that's what you're looking for, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's the Abbey, A-B-B-E-A-Y-E by, I think, Lollamond, a yeast I've never used before. It's, this thing went absolutely nuts. I, I know that's the culprit because that's where these particular flavors, the thing that is the most in the forefront of this beer comes from the yeast. And on one hand, a little frustrated that I didn't get this to where I wanted it. But on the other hand, pretty freaking excited that it made a beer that I am really enjoying and have by every right did not expect to enjoy by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to, I already, I still have the picnic tap and the, on the keg hooked up and some CO2 on it. I'm going to top this off. I'm going to enjoy more of this and think about it. Maybe the idea will come to me what to call this and hopefully be able to do something with it because it's a good beer. It's a beer that I would like to have reviewed and judged because it's, there's, there is nothing wrong with this beer, but there's also no definitive style to call this beer. So I don't know what to do yet. And that's something I have to think about. And I may never get that answer. I may just have to enjoy this beer and share it with other people, which I never thought I'd say about a Belgian beer, me enjoying it. Other people. Sure. I pawn off my Belgian beers all the time because I don't want to drink them. But this one, this one is, this one's different. Very, very different, but distinctly Belgian. Very strange. This has been quite the experience, this tasting. This is might be, I'm looking at the counter without editing out my slip pauses. This might be one of the longest tastings I've ever done because I'm trying, first off, I was trying not to like it because it's Belgian. And then second, I was trying to figure out what it is and why I like it. And I don't really have an answer on either. Other than, no, that's not true. I, I don't not, not like it. I know it was a double negative, but that is actually the answer to that question in my world. So <laughs> that is it. Um, I will be back with some more episodes very soon. The competition season here in Florida is nearly over. I'm almost done brewing for it. Then I'm going to get in some really fun beers. We got Halloween coming up. We have Christmas coming. And I am doing something with hot peppers that should be fun. And I hope to make a really special episode out of that with my brew club. We shall see. I know at least I'll be sipping it. And I very much think I'll be not okay after i drink it so stay tuned for that later this year oh also i should mention bigmonsterbrewing.com is a thing that's a domain i bought several years ago now and i finally put a website together and has a lot of the episodes has a lot of brewing articles i have some friends helping me out writing some brewing articles and i also have i mentioned earlier about out-of-state competitions i have my 50 state tracker on there and i don't have that many medals yet because i just started but it's i'm still tracking everything there there's a whole interactive map where you can click on the state and go to an article and i talk a little bit about the story about the beer and how i learned how and what i won and i plan to put more on there too i think um we're gonna 
I am reaggregating this show. You might have actually found this show from that website. Going to reaggregate, uh, I think, Christie's show, my wife Christie's, her two girls, one brew show as well. And there's a, two more shows we've been discussing doing once all said and done. Uh, we're both in our busy seasons for both me for brewing, her for work. Once that's both of those done, we're talking about doing two more beer related episodes that we might launch solely on bigmonsterbrewing.com. So check that out when you have a chance. And that's it. That is my, I think my first shameless plug on this show that I can remember. That's sure. If I went back and listened, I'd be incorrect on that statement. My first one in recent memory. So, all right, that's it. I'm going to top this beer off. I might just sit and enjoy it and not overthink it. And while I do that, I will say to you, thank you for listening. And I will see you in that next episode. (laughs) 